Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me as always is my good friend Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben, and also, could you introduce our special guest today? That's two things that my contract specifically says I only do one thing at a time. So okay. you choose so what you want me to do. You need do. to say hi to you just need to say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. He's like Greet- a basic compiler. Whoa, well what, what was that voice? Where did it come from? Whoa. Greetings Whoa. to all the people and also to our guest, Chad Kirchner, who is joining us to talk to, about some really cool cards. Chad. But, but who is say Chad? Hi to everyone as well. Hi to everyone as well. T- tell us What's who Chad, that, tell us who Chad is, Sammy. Chad is also a friend of the podcast, another stunning automotive journalist who came up with a fancy scoop last week. And um, <laughs> you know what? But, uh, Chad, what is the latest um, place we can read your bylines? Um, I'm doing a lot of stuff at The Drive these days, but I also have a story on Chuck Trend, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm doing some work with them. so Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, Chad, I want you to take it away because you've got a really cool, very expensive car we've got to talk about this week. Um, it it might be the most expensive road-going car from this manufacturer ever. Ever. It ever. probably is. <laughs> I think it is. I haven't what actually fact-checked it. But... Okay, let's, let's <laughs> officially what... introduce the car that you're driving. It's the 2020 Nissan GTR. I'm Nismo? sure there's other words. Nismo. Nismo or Nismo? 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 I don't know. Yeah, how, do you, how do you Canadians pronounce it? Well, apparently it's... we don't even fact-check, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Nissan Motorsports Edition of the GTR. Um or Godzilla, if you will. So or, it's, a, it's a sportier version of a sports car. It is It is the GT3 RS of GTRs. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, so uh, first off, thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, the GTR Nismo, uh, it receives a few changes for 2020. It had a fairly decent refresh, in, at least in Nissan parlance, um, in 2017. Yeah, but it's still kind of in some ways it's still the same car that came out in what 2008 2007. Yeah. So I would say I mean it, it's, it's still using you know a 3.8 liter twin turbo V V6 and it's still got that all wheel drive system. Yeah, and yeah it looks Tesla. more or less the same. Let's be clear, it's not the Toyota Tundra of supercars, right? Like it's it's no, had oh, no, some the improvements no. that have been made have been meaningful, and it's not the 370Z either or the Frontier. Like it's. It's received updates, and um, some of the changes that make the Nismo specific. So some of the changes for 2020 just include uh, more power on, I think, the track version. Um, there's a 50th anniversary edition that uh, is a, a trim package above the premium, which adds uh, some stickers that are really ugly and some stickers that aren't really ugly. Uh, and then the Nismo adds a, adds a bit more horsepower. It has the turbochargers from the GT3 race car. So from their wow. GT, their GT3 racing series, um, I would bet it's exactly a crap the race car, right? Does like the, they actually just like open up the race car, like we don't need these anymore. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, does the race team know those turbos are missing? <laughs> yeah, or do they show up, they show up in the garage and it's like that scene from Fast and Furious, like the first one where he pops the hood and he's like, "There's no engines, there's no <laughs> engines," and then he, why he do we pops, got no engines? Yeah, and and he's he, you know like a couple of you know, GT3 turbos would fetch some money just a few weeks before race wars, wouldn't they? It's probably what comes I mean, to the bajillion-dollar price tag of the GTR Nismo. <laughs> so um, the GTR Nismo also has a bunch a bunch of carbon fiber. Uh, and honestly, I think if you break down all of the components, not break down like the car breaks down, but if you 
look at the list, mm-hmm. um, it probably probably starts to make a, a bit more sense. But the long story short, it's with destination and handling two hundred twelve thousand four hundred thirty five U.S. Wow, oh that's God. a lot of money. That is almost hurricane money. That is almost hurricane money. That's V eight Vantage money. That's base. 570s money not that anybody buys a base 570s um all right v10 plus oh yeah well so my question to you is who's this car for and how many of them do you think nissan has planned to sell uh nissan doesn't particularly sell a bunch of gtrs i mean they sell like 30 a month 30 40 a month which is a lot that's like more than fiat's entire like monthly sales (laughs) i think um who's buying the the nismo there's there's probably a very small group of people who are like, hey, track day, bro, and let's go use it because all of this stuff is functional. Um, it's probably the same type of people that would buy a GT3 RS over um, a regular 911 or, or a GT3. I think that's um, cool. I, I think it's cool that, you know, this is a car that, unlike, say, a Huracan, which I think some people buy just to floss, which is totally fine, but people are buying this GTR because they want to use it as intended. Yeah. Is, that's and your then, general feeling? Yeah, I think there's that group, and I think there's also some people that just want to own the baddest-ass JDM car you can buy. Even though most people will look at it and think it's just another GTR. Like, you have to be in the know. From 10 years ago. Well, yeah. You, yes, I mean, yes and no. What's really fascinating to me was the number of people who are just awestruck by the fact that it's a GTR. Like, maybe we're – I think we might be a little bit numb to supercars. I mean, I know I am. Just Sammy definitely is. Right, because um, Sammy drives all the supercars. Yeah, and even then... before the actual engineering teams at the respective companies, especially <laughs> oh, <right>. especially <laughs> the Supra. Oh which, yeah, I mean, uh... he's driven that like what twelve if times. If you now? look under the passenger seat in a Supra, there's Sammy's signature. Yeah, you see, I, I just got a hold of Toyota today. I'm trying to get a Supra loan, and I'm like, Sammy's already driven it like 18 times. Why can't like, I get it? I'm sorry, this has been borrowed to Sammy already. <laughs> yeah, sorry. this is Sammy's long term car. <laughs> Um, and I, but I do think that there there are a lot of people that still see a GTR and still think, wow, that's an awesome GTR. And there were even a group of kids that were maybe 12, 13, that were like, whoa, is that a Nismo? So like they were wow. familiar with they were familiar with what it was. And I live wow. in a rinky dink podunk town where people drive jacked up, rusted out Cummins diesel pickup trucks. And did you it, get that from the factory? Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you pay more. It's like it's like uh getting weathered jeans that have like holes right, in yeah. the knees. It's yeah. patina, you know, kinda. Rust belt edition RAM. <laughs> um, um okay. but I think that it's I think that it's it's gonna be more unique than an NSX. Um and while I'm proud of where the NSX is currently built, um I was about to say my state, um it's not exactly quote unquote JDM the way that the GTR is. So, and... so what is it like to drive, though? I mean, yeah, aside I mean, from the pride that the, That's the most important thing. I love that the number one question Ben had was, <laughs> how many do you think they're going to sell? Like, who cares? Tell me how it drives. It was within um, the flow of the conversation, Sammy. Oh, ever, sure. I'm ever not since... from your shock journalism school <laughs> where I'm just like, I don't care about anything else. How does it drive? Don't look at me. Infocars.com. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're coast to coast with this GTR. Yes, <laughs> but um, no, really the uh, the changes in seventeen I think were very significant. 
Uh, they adjust the suspension to make it a little bit more livable every, every day. They made the interior a little nicer, um, updated the head unit, supports Apple CarPlay. So, like, there's a bunch of stuff that made the car really livable. Uh, so the changes for 2020, the Nismo rides a little rougher than um, the regular GTR, which coincidentally I had back-to-back. So I had a 50th anniversary and the Nismo sort of literally back-to-back, so I was able to compare. Um okay. So you did notice that difference between the the normal yes. GTR and the Nismo yeah. version. So, so like uh, Sammy it's, with, it's, with the Supra, not... you're like you're like the Sammy of of the Midwest, but with GTRs. Like they're That's all way yours. Cooler. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Um, but it's still actually super comfortable. Um, if you put the car, and and we'll talk about the transmission because I know we will because I know how Sammy feels about the same transmission on this car. Mm-hmm. But if you put the powertrain stuff into the save setting and put this in the suspension and comfort for a supercar, it's really livable. It's probably not like um, 720s livable. Like it doesn't have that kind of advanced suspension that just smooths everything out. But okay, for a normal, you know, regular adaptive suspension kind of car that can that could set blistering laps on a racetrack. Um, I would daily it. I totally could, and it's really cool. And I, I, I hate to you know bring emotion to this, but I probably should. But like, I look. Wait, why like, can't we bring emotion? It's not unnamed. <laughs> Androidpodcast.com. Fair emotion. Emotions welcome. It looks Activate just, your emotion chip, Sammy. It, okay. It, it looks just so. It looks great, and I love the carbon fiber fins on the front fender, like the GT3 RS has. Um, I like the big stupid wing on it. Yes, I call it a big stupid wing. And when you look through the rearview mirror, like it, it you know, kind of bisects the your visibility. But it's just, it's cool, and you feel, you kind of feel cool driving it. And I know there's probably better ways to spend the money, like objectively. Mm-hmm. But if you grew up playing Gran Turismo. And you are familiar with what the GTR is, and that's like your dream. Like it drives really well. The fuel economy is not completely ridiculously horrible. Um, I wish the radio supported uh, Android Auto, but like it, it's such a livable car, and it doesn't feel like it's as low as it is. I never had an issue of scraping. I mean, I'd never want to scrape the front end of this because the carbon fiber splitter is probably thirty grand. But it's. Um, and then in 2020, they added uh, pops and crackles to the 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 shifting and stuff. So now, it, okay. So it's so it does it. So the noises it makes it's all over the board because you hear you hear the the turbo wastegate, the turbo spooling up. Um, you hear sort of just kind of the mechanical engineness of that motor. Um, and now the exhaust actually sounds like something. So perfect. I finally. I mean, I, it's it's an old car. But it's obvious that they've been making improvements to it. I mean, that's the the interesting thing when talking about the GTRs. When it came out uh, over 10 years ago, it really did light the supercar, you know, kind of world on fire by making this car that was super uh, fast. It could take on anything in a straight line and apparently was pretty capable on the track as well. That's where it got its name. That's where it's got its nickname of Godzilla. Right. And then when we kind of dove deep into what people were kind of criticizing it for, each year Nissan made a slight tweak, a different different adjustment, whether it was the interior to give it a little bit more of a premium take. Um, And then now with this Nismo edition, which is a little bit of everything that they've – it's a culmination of, uh, of all of that time and all of those little tweaks. And then giving it, what, a 600 horsepower motor and all of this all of these uh, aerodynamic tweaks with that spoiler, it just seems like it's everything all together. 
but that price is very hard to sell. Over $200,000. That price is a lot. And you have to really want this car. You do. Right. Is it limited? It's, is it, I mean, I, I suppose it's limited production. I, I don't believe they're actually limiting the production number, but it's just going to be obviously limited by the number of people who yeah, it's a, can afford it. Yeah, it's self-limiting. Yeah. Um, now, I'm glad that you find it attractive with all of the uh, tweaks uh, exterior-wise. I don't. It looks like a lot of aftermarket kit that you could just buy and, and stick on yourself. Wow. In terms of what a, what a fancy or a new GTR could look like, I'm really in love with that GTR 50 by Atal Design, which came out, I think, last year. Yeah, last and year. It, then again, that's, uh, that, that makes the price of this thing look right. like, like gotta, normal. That's a $1.12 million dollar car. You've got to stop living in the past, Sammy. 20, it's 2019, <laughs> almost 2020. It's 2020 in, in, in Chad's car. Yeah, so right. you, you got to leave a right. tail design in the rearview mirror. What really, I think, you know, I, I can see kind of what you're saying about the looks, but um, maybe it's because I know a little bit of the heritage. I know how significant, like, the Rays brand is for the wheels um, that I know. It, it all seems to be put together just a little bit better than what you're going to do yourself. Like, right. It just it it doesn't feel like you're driving a modified car, and I've driven modified cars that feel like they're modified cars, mm-hmm. and this doesn't feel like that. But it looks. I don't think that it would look good on you know the street, let's say Saint Tropez or up at Pebble. Um, but man, if I you know if I were out not driving at night in Tokyo, this is what I want. <laughs> I want a white Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo is um, the only place I've ever seen a white Enzo. I I think though that um, if you start to break down individual components, I mean I know two hundred twelve thousand dollars is still a lot to handle, but everything's carbon fiber: the wing, the trunk, the roof, the hood, the fenders, all of the side skirts, all of that stuff. Um, the forged wheels are lighter. Uh, it's got carbon ceramic brakes. Uh, it. it, it if you if you if you were checking all those boxes in the Porsche configurator, you would have a more expensive car. Yeah, mm-hmm. no question. Is it as good as a nine eleven? Well, no, probably not. But well, um, it does it does drive in a very old school way, which you may not like. That's and, my that's really a part of the the issues I have with the the GTR when I drove it again. I drove it maybe two years ago or three years ago, and uh, it was a very exciting car to drive. And just like you mentioned, people like really loved it, and you can tell that the people who liked it paid attention to what it is because I don't know if it looks as as spectacular to the layman than a, a, a true supercar with a mid engine supercar. Right. But the people who really thought were like, "Wow, I need to talk to you about how cool this thing is." Um, I couldn't stand the noises it made, so I'm glad that they've changed the exhaust note in in some way or another. I added some pops to it; just sounds a little conservative, but I I trust you when they when they've changed the whole exhaust system, which is what it sounds like. Yeah, we'll see. I had driven a previous generation one, and I didn't remember it being the pops or whatever this loud. So, mm-hmm. um, I called somebody at Nissan and I was like, "Hey, am I crazy?" And they said, "Uh, no, we didn't put it in the pressure lease, but we added the the." Pops and crackles. So it's all computer, you know, the computer's dumping fuel and doing whatever it does, but it's it's there and it wasn't there before. And I also love just driving it. I mean, it it made driving fast feel really, really confident in a way that few other um, cars do. I mean, other supercars, especially ones that I like, I've driven and you drive kind of fast on the on the streets, they can feel a little twitchy or a little um, 
unrefined at certain speeds and the gtr felt stable and like you were going like you were at walking pace at, at high speed so i know one of the things that you complained about to me offline uh what was a week or so ago um was that like the transmission stuff makes a lot of noises um yeah. and it does and, and i'll tell you that i kind of I, I i see where you're coming from where it kind of sounds like oh is this you know put together properly kind of a noise um i actually think it sounds like you're kind of starting up almost like a an experimental kind of a fighter or like a race car like you can hear stuff happening and then you know it takes a second or two to start like everything just it it, as as computer generated as a journalist that first drove the car described the gtr as being as as very video game uh, i think that as time has progressed uh there's a lot of Oh, like again, old school things about it. The mechanicalness mm. of the transmission, which yeah, it pretty- always sounds like you're you're. It's just slapping two metal parts yeah. together, right? Like, it should, yeah. Um, but it what does that to- sound like, Sammy? <laughs> uh, I don't have my metal. Make parts the sound here. with your mouth. Bonk! Oh wow, that is I mean, that is off-putting. I think the sh- I think they have the shift times down to somewhere around 100 milliseconds. So they they've been doing tweaks to it. It could use more cogs. I mean, just. Driving down the the highway at sixty seven miles an hour, you're twenty five hundred three thousand RPM. Um, you could use another gear, but and there's a lot of turbo lag too. Um, they've oh, reduced. They've, Even they've reduced. The I, didn't, I didn't notice that turbos. on the one that I drove, but I didn't drive. So it's the it's, crazy it's not the, race turbo version. So it's not like the it, it's not turbo laggy from like when you put your foot down from when something happens. They've done a really good job at reducing that lag, but okay. you still don't get that full boost, that full acceleration experience until you're higher up in the rev range. Okay. So you can drive, you can put around all day at two thousand RPM and think, wait, this car really is you know a supercar killer. Um, you really have to like kind of ring it out for it to give you the full boost but when it does it just i mean it just goes awesome um any 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 thoughts like uh on what the legacy the gto i mean i don't know if there is a successor to the to the gtr coming out anytime soon it seems like we've we've had this car forever and it's about time we see something new or if it's going to be a different product altogether but do you think there's a legacy here that the gtr has left um and should we cherish this going forward in in 10 years are we still going to think about this this uh r35 gtr and say that's pretty that's pretty cool that that had a specific time and place in history well, it was the first time that the Americans could buy it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big deal, especially if you're into drag racing. Um, it, these, this car is a beast, and that motor just took boost like crazy. So I think it's gonna. I think it's left a very large stamp, um, probably more than the R34, to be honest, in America. That's even, that's really cool. That's actually a really nice way of uh, of thinking about it. That's that's going that's going to go a long way. Then how do you even? Then the the crazier part is how do you? Like that's a shadow. That's a that's a shoe. What is what is the term here? Those are huge shoes to fill with a with a follow up product. They are. Um, I it's it's interesting that I, I don't know if it's going to be in the global automotive scape if it's going to be more significant than the R thirty four. But I think that just you know again the availability in North America to get the car, um, I, I I really think is is definitely huge. Um, it's you know and you, know, you talk about the drivers and things like that but it's just it's um it, it the, the nismo version specifically i mean this is really sort of peak what the japanese can do in terms of engineering and i there's there's a lot of things that i don't you know that you could definitely criticize about the car but 
um, with how livable it is, with how GT this car is, um, I, I think it's still significant. I think it's still appealing. And honestly, I think if you're going to buy a GTR, this is going to be the stupidest thing that I'll ever say on a podcast ever. But <laughs> but it's it's really hard for me to recommend a car that's nearly $80,000 more expensive than the 50th anniversary GTR that I was in. Mm-hmm. Like $80,000. That's a... You know, that's going to be, what, a Corvette, a mid-engine Corvette with options. It's, <laughs> um, But you're going to pull up next to somebody with an Isma one day, and you're going to be like, why didn't I spend the money? <laughs> wow. That's a really strong statement, because I, I don't know if I've ever felt that way about anything in my life. <laughs> you know what, though? Like, when you do talk about the best that Japanese can do, uh, that Japanese automakers can do, um, it's the GTR. Um, it, lately, especially in the you know from two thousands onward, we've got like the GTR. We've got that LFA, which has really left yes. um, a stamp um, on automotive enthusiasts for a very. Even though it was around for a very short period of time, and was uh, was even more expensive than this um, GTR is now. Yes. And what other cars? Do you, I mean, I don't know if the NSX is leaving that same impression nowadays. Is it? No, definitely then? not. No. no. How did that get away? Which is how sad. did these two cars get away with it, and the NSX didn't? Well, because they were meaningful and impactful in their time, uh, whereas the NSX is just another hybrid supercar. And I, I don't. The LFA was like an F1 crazy car that you couldn't really buy, and the GTR was a completely unexpected, super fast, giant techno beast. You know, not like, to mention a giant, a giant killer, right? Yeah. So these cars did something new, and I don't Slayer. think the, the the NSX has done nothing new. It's like the, it's a it's the, a neutered supercar that's easy to drive, and it's it's like any other car, and it's there's nothing that really separates it, in my opinion, from similarly priced vehicles or even lesser priced vehicles. The NSX didn't do it. It came out too late. Yeah. Um, and you know, Ford sucked the air out of the room at that auto show when they finally yeah. revealed the NSX. Um. And if it came out because it revealed the four GT at the same time, they revealed the four GT. Yeah. Um, If they would have revealed it, you know, a couple years earlier, um, maybe before that last round of, you know, hybrid ultra, you know, hybrid ultra cars, hybrid mega cars, whatever. um, Basically, when the Holy Trinity came out, like if you would have came launched it before then, you know, maybe it would be impactful. But like as Ben was saying, you know, uh, the LFA was impactful, GTR was impactful of the time. Corvette's probably going to be impactful of the time, the mm-hmm. mid-engine. Um, and these are NS- all like defining cars of certain generations of, right. of of automotive. And NSX did define just not this generation. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at like the NSX too, like it was left to die on the vine and. It received only moderate updates during its lifetime, so it kind of faded from the public consciousness as well. You had to re- be a real enthusiast to even know that you weren't looking at a Ferrari. You You're know, talking about the it, old, the old one. Yeah, right? when it pulled yeah. up beside you. Yeah. Yeah, but Very when cool. the but when the girl at the gas station pulled up in a white Julia and was like, "Oh, I love GTRs," like, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, like I'm just out, and it's like you know, people get it; they know what it is. Yeah. So you know that, big, that big, blows big my mind. Yeah, that yeah. like that really blows my mind that you can be in the middle of nowhere and somebody can be like, "Wow, that's a GT." It just what there's like an aura around it that turns people into like car enthusiasts. I think that's well, that's know, a Sammy, powerful move. People who live in rural parts of the country aren't idiots. <laughs> like, well, you, well, like you've made them out to be. <laughs> oh man! I mean, I but, don't know what it's like in the in the big city of Toronto, but uh, 
Well, and I mean, I do, I do live in the middle of nowhere, but Columbus is a very, it's not far, far, um, and is a fairly wealthy city. Um, Cleveland is has one of the only two uh, Aston Martin Vulcans in the country at their dealership on display. So uh, there, there's money around, and I mean, a lot of people grew up playing PlayStation, or you know, a lot of people have seen the Fast and the Furious. True. It's it, that's you know, why they're on like like movie 15 right now, right, right. <laughs> it's it's why it's crazy so i just there's just something I'm, I'm i'm looking at the article that i wrote for the drive about this um it's not live yet but i'm just kind of looking at photos and stuff and i'm like I, I just really I, I like the car a lot i i don't know if i had the money if that's what i would buy but there is something appealing about it there's still i think a genie sais quoi mm-hmm. um with it that's yeah, I think on paper you can criticize it, but it's still really good at what it does. Maybe it's not the best, but man, it's good. I, th- I mean, I think performance-wise, it's very, very good. Um, it's the other things that made the GTR hard to love. But I want to ask, like, seriously, would you ever consider buy- buying one a used one um, from 2010 or nine or something like that for, at a at a discount? Of the prices, I mean, I haven't. I honestly haven't looked. I wish I would have beforehand. Um, can we, is, is this one of those cars that was expensive enough that people weren't going to drive the crap out of and modify them? Or are I most don't think ones, so. I or think anybody most of the used ones. Because like, what are you getting yourself into when you buy a used one? Well, Absolutely. they were so they were fairly affordable when they first came out. So right, I think they are. I think they are cars to get driven. And outside of and out, and it, it drives really well. I would put a lot of miles on it. Um, outside of the initial transmission explosion issues due to launch control. Have there been any like issues? Not that know, I, not that I remember. Not that I, that come to mind. You know, and the and the launch control thing really wasn't so much the transmission's fault as much as uh, Nissan was like, "Oh, hey, we're going to just break transmissions by you know letting you launch a car in two point three seconds to sixty. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's all about thought? the two point nine five seconds to sixty. That's what I've learned. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. Uh, um, and I don't know. You know, I I don't know. I think that I would. Lo- I'd like to think that I would. Um, but the, you know, there's certain used cars that I would just probably, you know, you know, have been beaten or that you know you don't want to touch. And I'd like to find like I don't know some old grandma who has a Nismo that's like, oh here. Yeah, that's yeah. that sounds like a thing. That's that definitely. Like- I just drove it back and forth to the grocery store every yeah, day. Right. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. How fast did you need groceries? Um, okay, cool. Let's move from this iconic car to another iconic car, Ben, that you've driven. Can you give me a Can you give me a, a primer on what you're what you're going to be talking about right now? Because um, more than a primer, I can tell you what it is if you, if you want to know what it actually. Yeah, is. Yeah, sure. Actually, I prefer it when you do that. I hate to play in the guessing game. Remember that other time when I was like, "Is it a Lada?" And you're like, "Of course, it's not a Lada." Why did you start with Lada? I never understood that. <laughs> no. It's uh. So I I drove a similarly um, unmistakable car in the 2019. Mercedes-Benz G-Class, the the redesigned G-Class. And it's, you know, you say redesigned G-Class, and that means a lot because I think it's been like three decades or something <laughs> similar to the last time we got a, a different version of the G-Class that wasn't just like a different motor or different seats or something like that. This is the Mercedes kind of, for those of you who aren't familiar, the G-Class is that big boxy square SUV. It's like the German Hummer 
It's a vehicle mm-hmm. that was built uh, in the late 70s for, I believe, um, a, an army client in the Middle East. And it was designed to be a military support vehicle. And people just liked it. And they're like, let's build a road version, too. And Mercedes-Benz doesn't actually build the car. It's built in Graz, Austria by, uh, I think, I don't know if it's built by Magna. But I think it's, it's built by Magna. Which is also builds the Z4 and the uh, Supra, as we found out last month. Or, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, last week. So anyway, it's it's been this kind of weird outlier in the Mercedes lineup in the sense that it's not like anything else that they build. And it's a it's a truck that's sitting on a full frame, a ladder frame. It had a solid until 2019, it had a solid front axle and a solid rear axle. So it's like a, a Wrangler in that sense. And everything that goes with that, you get like kind of dodgy handling, which is enhanced by the like 600 horsepower AMG versions you could get. (laughs) Um, It was a really unusual vehicle, but it was like Sammy mentioned, it was an icon because it's so weird and it goes anywhere. It had three locking differentials, ultra low gear for the four wheel drive. It was comfortable in a sense. Uh, and it was it was kind of like the weird cousin that would show up at the Mercedes picnics and be like, hey, guys, check what I'm doing in the mud. And everyone would, like <laughs> half of them would look and like the other half would be like, tell me when the G class is gone. Um, well, Ben, but, uh, can I ask you a question? Yes. In in the same vein as uh, Mr. Sammy Aja said, um, outside of Kardashians and uh, Russian oligarchs, Who's buying these new oh, ones? What? Who you cares? What's def- it like to drive? <laughs> Sammy, quiet down. Okay. <laughs> this is this podcast is all about the numbers, and I, I, I thought you'd know that by now. Um, it's a great question, Chad. I, I think you've I think you've identified the two major groups now that Schwarzenegger's out of that game and only buys electric vehicles. Oh, well, that's uh, true. It's uh, yeah. It's when when I was driving it around. I legit felt like I was in some type of, you know, European mafia type situation because it's become the uniform for every low budget movie. It used to be Range Rovers. Like I in the 90s everyone who was like an Eastern European criminal in a movie drove a Range Rover. And now they all drive G-classes. And I get it cuz it looks like a tank and it's all menacing and whatnot. So when you drive it like people look at you and it, it draws a lot of attention, and it's not always good attention, I don't think. It's really hard for me to tell what people are thinking when they look at the vehicle. I, I had some people compliment, compliment, why can't I say that word? Say nice things to me about the truck. <laughs> <laughs> and I had some other people who just kind of gave me, like, the hater stare. And I know Sammy's used to that, but I'm I'm not. And uh, it was it, it took a little getting used to. Uh, I I actually I really do relate with the people who kind of like gave it the 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 side eye. I don't think it's a it's a particularly useful or attractive or interesting car. I think it's obnoxious. I think it's giant. It takes up so much space. It doesn't do very much well in its in its you know what it's supposed to do. I don't wait, get wait, it. I wait, really what, don't get wait, it. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's a lot, Sammy. Do whoa, wanna, Sammy. Whoa, sit down. I I will. No, it's no. going to be okay. I haven't, I haven't driven. I, I haven't driven the newest refresh, and I have a lot of complaints about it as an everyday car. But yeah. it has three locking differentials. Why? Uh, None of these people who buy just, but a you just, But hold on, your car. statement, your statement. If we play the tape back, is it's not good at what it's supposed to do. No, what it's, it's supposed to do is be a tank. Yeah, isn't it pretty good at that? Or as they say in Germany, Panzer. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Ben. Um, okay. I, I mean, I'll be. You're right. It could go. It can off road. 
but will you really take a $150,000 car off-roading without the intention, with, with knowing that you can scratch this bajillion dollar paint, mess up these huge wheels? I've done it, but like, spoiler alert, it wasn't my G-Class. <laughs> True. And also says the guy who's driving a gladiator this week. I'll talk about that in a minute. Spoiler alert number two. (laughs) I'll talk about that in a minute. And I'm sorry. Actually, I'm sorry if I've hurt anyone's ears with my rambunctious yelling. Well, you know, there's not there's not much we can do about your attitude problem. So um, my my question is um, to both of you. And it kind of came up on Twitter today. I saw some people talking. If the G-Wagon didn't have all of its capability if it just had the looks and was you know a regular quote-unquote regular if it wasn't Mercedes H2. yeah would would people still buy it would it still be appealing or so. even though people aren't using the capability do you think they just it's it's like a regular rubicon like yeah so for for me so i want to just touch on a few things that that they've upgraded for this model before I get to that answering that question. Sure. So it, it doesn't have the the solid front axle anymore. It's got an independent front suspension, which is a pretty big deal uh, from a design perspective. It's it's 360 pounds lighter than the old model. It has the new four liter turbo uh, engine that's pretty much in everything that Mercedes makes that's powerful these days. Uh, and it's making 416 horsepower. And let me double check the torque number. It's uh, 450 pound feet of torque. And it's got a nine speed automatic transmission. That's a big upgrade for the vehicle, just from a drivetrain smoothness perspective. It's it's longer in, in a sense. Like it's not, it's still a foot shorter than an Escalade, than, a, than a, a regular, not an ESV, but like a standard Escalade. So Sammy's saying it's really big. It's actually not that big. It's wider than it used to be. It's I think it's two and a half inches wider. But it's the, tall, man. It's, it's very tall. tall. It's tall. It's tall. You notice it when you're going into parking garages. You mm-hmm. are kind of that world is kind of shut shut out for you. And but if there's that, a if there's a gust of wind, you notice it too. Well, I, I'm not princess in the pea about wind, so I didn't really pick, pick up on that. <laughs> but uh, the the extra length has gone to the rear seats. There's like five extra inches of legroom in the rear seat. So if you've ever been in the back of a G wagon because you've been maybe kidnapped, <laughs> um, <laughs> you'll appreciate the fact that you can stretch out now. And oh, just have a comfortable moments before you're executed and thrown in a trench or whatever it is oh, about to God, happen. Man. But uh, the the where it does have a downfall and it is since it's not as long as an Escalade, it doesn't have a ton of cargo space. Since mm-hmm. it does have a solid rear axle like the Escalade does, there is some intrusion into the cargo area. The rear seats intrude into the cargo area because they push the seat back to give you some more of that room. So it has a little bit more cargo space than a Range Rover does. But if you're looking at something like a Denali or or a, a GLS, you're really going to fall down when it comes to practicality. That's the biggest – so, Chad, re- restate your question again for me. Um, if it didn't have the capabilities. If it didn't have the capability, if it just sort of had the looks – um, and then let's say the GLS inside. Let's say it's a GLS inside. But oh my god, it would be so nice. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think I think people would buy it, but probably not as many because what? I think I think like the Range Rover, the image is is an important aspect of why people pay one hundred and thirty four thousand as a starting price, or I think mine was closer to one hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty. But uh, that, that, that's, that's a lot of money because if you look at the GLS. The GLS does everything that the G Class does better, except off roading. Uh, okay. 
I think you're I think you're you're close and you're not. I think if it could if it did half of the if it had half of the off-road capability that it has right now, less of the off-road capability that it has right now. Let's say it still has the all-wheel drive, it has two locking diffs instead of three, it still well, why the same arbitrary way. Arbitrary locking diff Sammy's arbitrary locking diff <laughs> suggestions. What about one locking diff? What about Fine. walking well, hubs? Manually sure. locking hubs. Why not just uh, break? What about a winch? Torque vectoring. Torque vectoring winch. <laughs> Sorry, you were was... making a point. Sorry. No, it doesn't. It, maybe it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Aww. Um, but this I think just is based on over. that, just based on that, <laughs> on that, on its design and its legacy of being an icon, it would still sell. It would still be appealing. But on the other hand, I think Mercedes just wouldn't be able to do that to a, a product as long uh, as as long living as the G class. Yeah, they I mean, just I don't couldn't think... not do it justice. It would it I mean? would screw up the legacy. It would be like yeah. doing an independent suspension on um, Wrangler or making a Lancer Evo of a crossover. Like who would do that? Or making. <laughs> um, it, it's you know You're right. The, so I mean, I, I get I get frustrated because I think it's a bit too much, and, and buyers who use it don't use it as in, I, I don't think use it as intended. I, yeah, I would love I mean, to see the percentage of it. It's the same thing. Like a percentage of Huracan owners who go to a racetrack is like zero. So it, it's it's okay to buy a car and not do car not do what that car was intended to do. I I'm not the use police. I I think it's fine right. for people to do whatever they want with their cars. But right. the the main argument for me is G classes G class versus GLS class. You have two almost identical mission statements in terms of everything but off-road capability and styling. Right. And one of those so, vehicles is so far superior to the other one at a lower price. Like the GLS also, interior also room, it's you just get a more third row of seating. Yeah, it's more of a, it's more of an S class, while the G class is, is well, not even. I'm you know, I'm here raising my hand in the background. Yep. <laughs> hello, hey. and, hello, hello, hello. Uh, yes, uh, you ben. Did. Is that Chad with his hand up? Hey, Chad, what can I do for you? Uh, ben, which one did you buy, GLS or G? Oh, G class, because I don't like the GLS class at all. Because to me, the GLS class is luxury wallpaper. It's a very competent vehicle. It's very comfortable, but there's nothing about it that suggests it has any kind of personality. Unlike I, that's why I don't agree with the S class of SUVs statement that Mercedes has been pushing with the GLS because. I think the S class has tons of personality and appeal, and I think the GLS is just another very good uh, large SUV. I don't think there's any crossover there really. Whereas the G class is nothing but personality, and and I think that the legacy that's associated with it, combined with its current capabilities, is what gives it that. And you give it that crazy styling that looks like nothing else on the market outside of like a Chinese market knockoff ch- from Cherry or something. I, I think there is a vehicle that looks very similar to that. Yeah, there or, is. Or a Jimny, which is like a, a tiny, Jimny, which is a tiny version. Yeah. yeah a Did tiny you see the company, that Middle East company, that's that Saudi company that's making? Uh, maybe it's Dubai. Um, are making Jimnys, Jimnys into G classes? So there you go. See, already it has it has its own cottage industry. <laughs> Sammy, I'm assuming you're on Team GLS here. Uh, I would rather not talk about this. Uh, the GLS is a is a family oriented luxury car, and the G wagon doesn't is not like it just isn't. I don't see this being a family a, car. A anymore. Russian what? mobster, Russian mobster has a gun to your head, and I have to buy one of the two cars. You're already in the G G class. You're already <laughs> yeah. in the G class. That's a terrible. I mean, I I don't know. It's it's a tough <laughs> thing to say. I just cannot get over the obnoxious styling of the G-Class, but I understand why somebody would, would okay. get it because of all of that it, and it, that legacy. 
obnoxious styling. Let's take a look at that for a second. It's almost identical to the previous car, even though the only things that carry over are like the door handles and I think the uh, spare tire cover and like one other thing. You um, gotta talk to me about these door handles. You open the door by yanking it with all of your well, you all of your button, body weight. Right? Okay, how else do you open a door, dude? I don't. The <laughs> doors are very easy to open, and so the doors the doors on the G class are easy to open. There's a button. What I didn't like is there's no keyless entry. $140,000 and there's no keyless entry. That's a bit of a problem for me. But the rest of the truck has everything you would need. Like everything, everything, everything inside the car. I, and, and there is one door that is hard to open. The rear hatch is super heavy. And I think that's because the tire is there and it's a huge tire, huge tire and wheel. And that takes some effort. Like if I'm not, I'm not a very big guy. Um, I don't like to brag. I do work out a little bit. Uh, I use the Sammy Hajasad home gym. And it's a good system, and I recommend che- checking out his website. But uh, it's, the I, of- <laughs> it's the G class of home fitness solutions. But the, that that hatch is tough to open. It's really heavy, and if the wind grabbed it, it would probably tear my arm off. And not I power. Think the, the other doors are equally kind of uh, difficult to open as well from the outside. It sounds like you need uh, to use your own program, my friend. Yeah, and uh, and then when you're rolling down the street and the central locking goes off, it feels like it sounds like you've been shot at. It's a rifle shot. It is loud, but you know why it sounds like that? Because the cabin is so quiet. It's the mm-hmm. only thing you hear, and this is what I really and liked. wind noise. This is what I no. There's no wind noise. This is what I really <laughs> liked about noise. the new G class versus the old one. Is it's very very refined in terms of the cabin environment. It felt it felt like it was a luxurious one hundred thirty thousand dollar vehicle, and I didn't have that feeling from the other one. the The older model, I liked it, but when I got inside, I was like, "Did I really spend this much money for something that looks like it was built for an army?" And now I get into the new one, and I'm like. Wow, this interior really fits with a high-dollar luxury vehicle. Everything about it really says that. And if you're the kind of person who can spend that money and not care that you're losing cargo space and don't have a third row and that it uses horrendous amounts of gas, then more power to you. I think it's a unique vehicle, and I'm glad that it exists. That's actually perfect. I think that's a great way of describing it. I mean, other than I, I, I'm, I don't like the idea of spending a hundred and some odd thousand dollars for such an ostentatious vehicle. But I guess if you're going to spend so much money, it better be ostentatious. Wait, and but you'll buy a two hundred twelve thousand dollar Nismo. I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm going to buy the used one that's been beat on. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a great way of putting it. You, you've you've kind of like really um, described what I think the the G class does. Well, it has no competition. I mean, what else is out there at its price point that does what it does? I mean, it, you're not going to go up against an Urus, right? Like, that's nothing. No. A Cayenne? No, it's not the same no. vehicle at all. Range Rover is very close, but stylistically, close. stylistically, there's a huge divide, I think, between those customers. Can you talk to, what do you think it, about it's that? Like, it's, like a, it's like a Raptor. It's a class of one. Yeah. That's G-Class, a really good, class of one, Raptor, class of one. That's a really um, good way of putting it, Chad. I, I, I agree with that. Well, then that's really funny because um, when talking to you guys about the Raptor and how it evolved from the the last version to the newest version, it lost a little something something in a way in the way of of I guess becoming more modern. Is that the best way to say it? When they when they got rid of the the six point two and replaced it with the v- Turbo V six, right? Yeah. But live valve is live valve is so good though. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm willing to I'm willing to deal with a car that sounds like a Focus RS. Um, a pickup truck that sounds like a Focus RS for how good the the live valve is in the 19. Um, but no, I wish I had a V8. It needs a V8. 
I I think that uh, the G class got better. I don't think it lost anything. I think I think that's what's important. And I think that that's rare. And Mercedes Benz should be applauded, and not just because we're contractually obligated to mm-hmm. provide Mercedes Benz with praise because of some, and applause because of a document Sammy signed without my knowledge. But well, you, uh, you told me earlier, Sammy is a wholly owned subsidiary of Mercedes AMG. It's true. I mean, that was something we were going to save for a special announcement podcast. But cat's out of the bag, so. Uh, a falter back. I've pretty been much signing owns. so many plaques. Recently. Sammy, you know, like in, in, you know how uh, Ron Burgundy will say anything you put on the teleprompter. Sammy will sign anything you put in front of him, whether it's like a contract, a baby, uh, I don't, just whatever. Hot so dog. keep that in mind if you see so, him in public. I know both of you are Canadians, but um, did you notice that uh, Ron Burgundy was on every single late night show last night? I did not notice. Like, that. like it was the most coordinated thing ever because they had to they had to film in advance and stuff. But yeah. Literally, he was the guest on every single late night show in the United States last night. Nice. Hardest working man in, in, in Hollywood. I'm not even New mad. York. I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> I thought so. Um, but uh, yeah, so Sammy, yeah, yeah. sign and plaques. Well, yeah. you know, Sammy, you we're talking about class of one, and I think that the vehicle you drove that Chad already kind of spoiled for everyone, but I'm okay Sorry. with that. It's fine. It's fine. But it was also. Are you not entertained? <laughs> that that Russell Crowe spoiled for everyone is uh, also kind of in its a class of its own, but it's trying to fit into another class. And I want to know what you think about whether I don't want to know whether you think that was successful or not. Okay, so I, as Chad said, I'm driving the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is a Jeep Wrangler with a box with a bed, and um, I mean bed. it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more than than that. But essentially, that's the best way to describe it, and that's also the way how it feels on the road. But I hear what you're saying. It's it's trying to be a mid-sized truck while also trying to be a Jeep, and I feel like the two things are at odds with each other. And it ends up being this own weird hybrid that doesn't quite fit in in either way. And me and you have discussed this, I think, on the past, where the Gladiator is just too long and, and wide to be a truly off-road vehicle in the way that any other Jeep Wrangler can be. I don't know about wide. Is it any wider than a standard Wrangler? I think it's a little bit wider, yes. Okay. And the and it's also that bed is actually quite um small to be really useful for a mid-sized truck. And there's other like shortcomings to the to the truck as well. Um it doesn't tow as much as I believe the the Ford Ranger can, for example, or it doesn't haul as much as well. And um this the steering is absolutely brutal in this thing, and so is the suspension. So not to be really... the not sure. to be the Department of Corrections here. Um but Gladiator does have best in class doing. Whoa, Sammy. What? I have it as 70. Sorry, I had a little document that I had all of my notes oh, with. Oh, that's so cute. A little document. Of course. Yeah, it's Is it a, on a post-it note? It's it's best in class 4x4. Four four. It's 76.50, I think. So that, maybe that's the ZR2 diesel? Yeah, the, the ZR2 diesel is only 5,000. A Colorado diesel, a normal Colorado diesel rear-wheel drive is uh, 77. Oh, yes. See, okay. my mistake. So the model that I have, which is an, uh, an Overland all-wheel drive, it tows 6,000 while the, the Ranger I had was 7,500. And the max towing of a, of a Jeep Gladiator is uh, 1,500, uh, 1500, sorry, 150 pounds more. 
So just um, to, just to clear and, up for the for for listeners, the reason why there's so many different numbers for these trucks, even if they're the same truck, like different versions, it's it's all about gross vehicle weight, mm-hmm. and you start adding equipment and subtracting equipment, and it it adds weight to the vehicle's chassis. The vehicle's chassis can only haul so much, and if you add four wheel drive, that's more weight. If you add off road suspension, that's more weight, and that subtracts from the total overall chassis capacity of that vehicle. So that's the variance. It's it's not really related to engine power and braking. No. That's part of it but really uh gross vehicle weight is the biggest single factor yeah, yeah gross, me... gross vehicle weight and then braking would, yeah. if i were to prioritize the two um the only thing i will say um is that in terms of telling because i don't want to stay really focused on it but um gladiator loses the most or loses the least when you go to rubicon for towing so like if you go to zr2 Towing drops from like seven thousand pounds to five thousand. But bro, yeah. if I uh, take the doors off and the and the roof off, can I tow more, bro? I mean, probably, probably, bro. <laughs> bro. Uh, but anyways, I, I just wanted to clarify that because maybe because sure. somebody may write you a nasty email. It I don't want me. to. I mean, go for it. I I, I applaud. <laughs> all, I I can't wait to read any uh, all of our feedback, and I try to respond to all of them and sign them uh, personally, as I as you mentioned earlier. You can't. I don't sign want them. to. I don't want to say that the Gladiator is like a dud. It isn't. It is actually quite spacious for a truck um, with more passenger volume than um, its main competitors. But as a truck, you're probably going to be t- paying attention to that um, box volume, and it really is. Um, tiny. It really is tiny, um, with almost ten more cube, ten over ten less cubic feet than some um, Colorados that you can get. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum up the entire reason the uh, the the Gladiator exists in a single word, and that word is fan service. This, is that one word? Yes. This oh. this this truck exists because people were writing fan fiction about this truck for the last mm-hmm. 25 years on the internet. And it's it's been such a just a it's almost like the will of the people created this vehicle out of their own energy and then sent that energy over to FCA and FCA was like, you know what, we're just going to build it and people are going to buy it. And it doesn't matter if it's better than the competition and it doesn't matter if it compromises what the Wrangler is. We know we can sell them. And I think that's totally fine. I don't have a problem with that. But yeah. I, this was not a vehicle that was conceived of as a we're going to take on the midsize pickup segment and we're going to beat them down. Right. Well, I, except, I, I feel that way. Except I, think, I, I really disagree because um, I, I think I, I think that the fans are totally the ones that will this truck into existence for sure. Um, but from a technical standpoint, it isn't a Wrangler with a bed. It's a it's a oh. new mid it's a new midsize truck platform, mm-hmm. um, which will likely underpin the new Dakota. Um, Okay, the, five, the, the five the the five five foot bed is shorter than some midsize truck offerings, but the biggest midsize truck bed you can get is six foot. So you're you're losing cargo volume because the side of the bed isn't as deep as it is in some other trucks. Um, but if it, regard, if this, regardless, if, it makes it look weird. It even makes it look weird if anything else. But, but if, this, um, if this is a specifically designed midsize truck platform, why isn't it better? Well, I mean, why, how, where do you? Sorry to play devil's advocate, but like, where do you need it to be better? It's got well, best it, in class towing so and payload. It seems to me. It seems to me like the reason you would buy the payload either. The reason you would buy Gladiator is because you want to go off roading with it. But on an off road circuit, from what Sammy has told me and from what I've read, 
and from what other journalists have told me talking to them, I won't be driving until next month. Mm-hmm. But the the wheelbase of the vehicle and the suspension settings of the of the Rubicon version do not lend themselves well to tackling the same terrain as the Wrangler Rubicon. And that seems to be really surprising to me. It's not surprising it's because I understand I, I understand how physics works, but it, it, it's it's surprising to me because vehicles like the ZR2 and the Ranger are pretty good off-road. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would if you compare it to the Wrangler, then the ZR2 is terrible off-road too because the ZR2 is longer. If yeah. I mean, if you're going to look if you're going to look at just wheelbase um and you're going to do a lot of off-roading. Yeah, you want a Wrangler. You want a two-door Wrangler. To so be ex- but explain to me then if this be, if the if the Gladiator, I mean, you don't have to explain to me because you're not responsible for the, for the Gladiator. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it, why build a solid front axle pickup truck? Period. Um I they probably and again, I can't speak for Fiat Chrysler North America LLC. Um but I think it's going to be a more profitable for them ha- instead of relaunching it as a Dakota. Maybe, yeah, but the Dakota won't be won't be a, a, a solid front axle. Well, no. So I mean, they had to keep the solid front axle because they, they put a G badge on it. But the rest of that platform, though, is like I'm not saying that it's the truck that I would buy of the midsize truck group. Okay, but I'm saying the same thing, Chad. I, I mean, I think like it's, I think it's compromised. I think that's the best way to describe it. Is that it does. It does. It, it has the potential to be much better than it is, and sure. um, either at being a truck um, or, or being uh, maybe even more off road capable. If you're going to, or... if you're going to, if you're going to confine yourselves within the Jeep brand, I don't know why they decided to make it a Jeep. Yeah, but if you're yeah. going well, that's, that's, that's gonna... the whole thing. That's that's my whole yeah, thing about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I then I agree. Like if it's if you're going to make it within the confines of the Jeep, though, I would say it's the best Jeep pickup truck you're going to get. <laughs> like, I think. If, what about the JK8? What about the JK8 kit? <laughs> I'm into that. I like the idea of that. Like single right. cab. Yeah. Well, nobody buys single cab pickup trucks. But it maintains the wheelbase, and you get the practicality. You know, it's it's no, but, like why but nobody buys. That's less than that's less than five percent of the market. No, I totally. I, like I truck. said, I get why this exists, and it's gonna sell like gangbusters. And no one is better than FCA at taking existing platforms and brands and recycling them and creating newish products that sell well. And that works very well for the company. And I'm a fan of that strategy because I mean, it's better than the alternative. I mean, unless you're Fiat, which I think Fiat is kind of (laughs) the Fiat part of FCA has not had the same level of success as the rest of the company there. But, um, I think if if you are going to live within the confinement of the Jeep brand, and you're going to build a pickup truck, and you have to also be able to sell it, then I think this is the product that you get. And I think that they did the best job within those constraints. But I think that when you, if you're building a brand new, if this, you know, if, you're, if your aim if is new. to bring a new platform to market, it should be better than an eight-year-old mm-hmm. Ranger international platform. <laughs> and, um, and, and like, I don't there's, especially there's if you're an things- off-road brand. There's a bunch of things that are worth talking about in this in this car. I want to get back to talking about the truck and driving it and being in it. First of all, fifty one thousand dollars is not a very um, cheap or affordable no. truck. <laughs> um, and furthermore, I don't know. I don't remember a a Wrangler with steering that is this bad. And for and the other the other trucks in this class do not have bad steering um, at all. I can't. I don't know how the Gladiator gets away with this steering, which was absolutely horrible. Horrible. It never felt like it was tracking straight. It felt like there was a 30-degree 
um, dead zone in the center of the wheel before anything happened. And it was frustrating to drive um, just as a regular. All all gladiators, all gladiators have a Dana 44s up front. Mm-hmm. And that Dana 44s only come on the Rubicon Wrangler. So, And I've driven one of those. Okay. And the... And, you think this I one is worse? That. I okay. do think this one is, is okay. worse. Well, and the there steering were on the driving. Wrangler Rubicon is really bad. Like, yeah. On yeah. The highway. And, I, and I'm just yeah. trying to say that's that's terrible. There are times when you're driving on the highway and you're pointing the steering wheel off to the side and still driving straight. But because... I think that's a very Rubicon thing, like like, <laughs> like Chad's pointing out. It's, it's, it's better on the other versions of the Jeep. Like, um, if, you drive, if you drive like a... Like a uh, sport or something, you won't have that. You won't have that same problem. The, the, On the a tires, rank. the tires are a big part of that too. Right, and I'm driving an Overland, which is not the Rubicon version of the oh, Gladiator. It does not have the giant. But wheels. it has, but it has the the bigger the the bigger front axle. It does have right. the Dana forty fours, which is which is silly. But like, if I were making an ideal like pickup truck, I would leave the solid front axle for the Rubicons, mm-hmm. and then do something different for the other ones. But I can that that, 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 least... that, that would make it drive better. That, do you think that would also reduce the cost because the thing is quite expensive for? I think for a, I think the truck. cost is like that because they know they can yeah get money. away with it, and I don't yeah. have a problem with that. Again, like the, <laughs> we were just talking about a hundred and forty thousand dollars G class that mm-hmm. is is not necessarily outperforming a ninety thousand dollars GLS except if you're off road. So it, it's it's pricing is rarely attached to reality, and mm-hmm. and especially considering that this is a dream vehicle. Um, yeah. A fan service vehicle, and they know, they know like the two hundred twelve thousand dollars Nismo, total fan service vehicle. It does one, right. it does several things very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're into that and you want to pay more for that, then you can. And and no one at Nissan is like forcing you to buy that version of the Nismo. No one is forcing you to buy the Gladiator. It's no. just it's an option that exists that is, it's it's kind of outside the normal comparison. And I know that's kind of sounds like a cop out. Wait, wait, no, wait. no, that's it. That is how I feel 100%. It doesn't feel like it measures up directly to the rest of its class. And I, we said this before because I said that I think it's a bit more compromised. It's not quite a Jeep. and It's not quite a great truck. I know you said it can tow um, uh, 150 pounds more than, than the Ranger can. But I don't – I just don't see it like – I mean oh, the I'd model I have the is – Like just to be clear, I wouldn't buy the Gladiator. I'd buy the Ranger. I'd buy and, the Colorado. You know, like is it, we all that have two that ZR2 I drove recently. Z, the with ZR2? A, the ZR2? The ZR2 with the DSS V dampers. Yeah. It was something I could those, I never fathomed could exist in the way those, that it, those it was DS, so good. Those, those DSS V dampers are the magical best, the best truck suspension outside of Raptor's new live valve. It's I, better than, I, it's better I than driven, the fixed sorry. It's what? better than the fixed Fox stuff um on Raptor. But it's the live valve is just a tiny bit better. But in everywhere else, that Colorado is just it's brilliant. I haven't driven the live valve stuff, but I think the DSSV wipes the floor with the with the Raptors I have driven, just in terms of on road yeah, performance. Yeah, for sure. It yeah. is it is magical. I want every truck to have those those that suspension setup. It was so good. But let's talk about fan service. You said this thing is is for the fans, and I don't know how this happened, but a bunch of people. At sidewalks and on on the streets and and anywhere in my in my in my neighborhood saw this thing and like saluted it. They were excited about it. They wanted to say something. They wanted to cheer me on while driving this thing. And I thought that was ridiculous. I've never had so much attention driving a car ever. <laughs> then when gladiator? I was then when I was driving Gladiator, correct? Isn't that insane? It's just a truck. It's just a Jeep truck. It's just a G wagon, bro. Bro, <laughs> like Get the doors off, bro. What do you? But, so in terms, what could happen, bro? 
they've they've hit that like they've really nailed that it brings sort of joy to the people in the street and um i think that's something um i wasn't F- expecting fca does that really well mm-hmm. like they made there there might be like the intangible stuff i think that they've got completely mastered no i probably wouldn't buy the gladiator because if i'm going to offer it i want something with a shorter wheelbase or if i'm buying a gladiator rubicon which is what 60 some thousand dollars i'm just gonna go buy a raptor and call it a day um but for folks that want the, the, the jeep life you know like and they need a pickup truck bud like they're gonna buy it. Yeah, it's not great to drive. Um, yeah, the fuel economy could be better, um, but you know, I think it's I think it's the G wagon argument. I think yeah, it's the only thing that does it this way. Yeah, and for some people, I that's think a, that's yeah. that's a winner. Um, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe um, I'm not in. Lo- I'm not in as in love with it as I was with the Nismo. So maybe I'm being more critical. Um, just because I'm not, I'm not in love with the the or the Gladiator, but um, I can see some people saying that's a dream car, it's a dream truck. It's, a, it's a, in some ways, it's a halo vehicle, but mm-hmm. it's obtainable, it's achievable, and so what if the rest of it's not great? The Wrangler has never really been great to drive. It's never really been refined. It's never. Well, the new because, one is fan, is pretty good. I mean, I really do write, like it and, and don't mind recommending it to people who are like, I want a Jeep Wrangler. It's, it's sometimes you'd be like, I don't know if you do. Like, But now this new one is quite good. And I feel somewhat sim- like I think the idea of the Gladiator is more appealing than the actual experience with the with the Gladiator. And that's why I think that's why people see it. And they're like, nice, a Gladiator. That's badass. Um, and they don't I have just, to live with it. Yeah. Don't drive your heroes. like i said there are things that make it appealing i just don't i think they could have done a better job and i'm looking forward actually to this dakota if it is coming um and being a more finished truck uh, buyer oriented product than a jeep product you know well it allowed to um so i mean fca said they're going to do a new metric ton truck which is the mid-sized truck in the u.s um metric ton those as big as you can get elsewhere in the world um they haven't officially confirmed that they're going to do it here but they've pretty much said that they are going to do it um it will allow them to differentiate some they'll be able to really focus uh not on the off-road bit because they'll be able to say hey there's gladiator um and it'll probably make a better refined much more livable truck because i mean we've all driven the new ram both if it's the ram but smaller it'd be great yeah <laughs> i mean it's gonna be that i mean that would be killer right yeah. um i i mean Actually, backing up what kind of Ben said earlier, yeah, I probably would buy a ZR2 if I was buying a mid-sized truck. But if I needed a tow, it really bothers me that I lose so much towing capacity by going if to ZR2. If you wanted to tow, you can buy any real 1500 and get away with it for probably the same money or less than this. And variety. most trailer loads in the United States average 3,500 pounds, so let's right. keep that in mind, too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying, like it, these are these are numbers. These are things that people are going to be looking at when... They go in to buy it, right? For sure, for sure. Um, question. So I don't know. I mean, I, I sorry to like be all combative. Just no, all. no. That's what this to, podcast. Have to... you not heard the podcast? <laughs> we need the discussion, and uh, I, I mean, I, you haven't put me down nearly as much as Ben usually does. I, 
I see what they were trying to do again execution like I didn't I didn't come away from driving it thinking wow this was amazing um I definitely don't like the steering feel because there is none um I didn't think it towed as confidently as like what Ranger does I think the 10 speed automatic and that 2.3 in the Ranger is a really good powertrain I think the suspension and off-road hardware on ZR2 is amazing um I kind of wish there'd be like one manufacturer that just would like combine all of that. Uh, you're also missing. I, I hate to sound crazy, but the uh, you can you can shut the podcast down after this. But the interior <laughs> of the Honda Ridgeline, uh, not goodness, bad. What are you about to say? <laughs> really, not bad. It's not. Okay. And, for what, and, and on for that what note, <laughs> and on that note, that brings this episode of Unnamed Automotive Podcast to a close. Uh, Chad, I want to thank you for being here. Thanks um, for having me. It was a lot of fun, and we got to hear about Nismo stuff that we never would have heard about because Sammy burned all of our bridges with Nissan. Um, and <laughs> also, we have some reader questions that we got in, or reader questions, listener questions that we got in this week that we are going to address next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Sammy, what are you going to be talking about next week? Uh, I don't know. I forgot completely. We'll tell you about it next week. <laughs> That's super professional. I'm going to be talking about the Chevrolet Camaro 1LE, but it's going to be the turbo version, the four-cylinder version of the car, which I think is an interesting choice from General Motors. And there's things I like and things I don't like, and we'll dive deep into that. Sammy, if people wanted to hear the podcast again or an older version of the podcast or subscribe even, how would they do that? Well, they would do that by heading to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when you're there, you'll see buttons that'll let you subscribe to the podcast. And you'll also see a list of our previous episodes. And uh, you can even see some photos and links to these stories that we've written about the cars that we're talking about today. And if you want to get in touch with us and ask us questions or comment on us or find out how you can hear more chad whenever you whenever you have a chad jones you can get a hold of me via instagram i'm at hunting benjamin or you can email me the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com or there's a uh, a contact form at unnamed automotive you can try all of those options and they all work sammy is a little more combative and that's why there's that word again that's why he's on twitter and you can get him at sammy underscore hot like you're laughing and chad if people wanted to get in touch with you and, and ask you nismo questions how would they do that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Nismo expert, however. Um, uh, Twitter is good. Um, it's just my name, which is Chad Kirshner. It's C-H-A-D-K-I-R-C-H-N-E-R. Um, or, I don't know, send you guys an email and you can forward on the hate mail to me. That's oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, uh, Chad, again for being here. And thank you, Sammy, for whatever it is you do. And thank you, everyone else, <laughs> for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>